Millions of people across the world have logged on to their Ancestry.com or 23andMe accounts to try to figure out where their family came from. Many people here in the U.S. can trace their roots back to Ireland. In fact, over 40 million Americans claim a degree of Irish ancestry. Ireland has a large diaspora, which means they have a lot of people or descendants that live outside of the country. Due to the Great Potato Famine, penal laws that force people to accept a certain religion, and other reasons, many Irish moved not only to the United States, but to a lot of other places in the world as well, leading to a diaspora that is far greater than Ireland's population. Today, Ireland is filled with history, charming people, stunning countryside views, and great food. And I got the chance to visit at the beginning of the year with Cameron. So here's another Destination Rewind. This time, we're going to Ireland. In the world of travel, things are constantly changing. There's always something to learn about the places we go. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Destinations Beyond Expectations, a podcast designed for students of travel. This is DBE, and this is your host, Stevie G. Thank you guys for listening, liking us on Facebook, hitting subscribe on all the streaming sites, and telling your friends. Question for you guys. Back when you were in school, did you ever go on a school trip? If you did, I bet you learned a ton and have great memories. Kaleidoscope Adventures are experts when it comes to arranging student group travel. There's no need to take on the challenges of planning a trip for a bunch of students by yourself. Let Kaleidoscope Adventures make your life easy by letting them do what they do best, arranging a travel experience for your school group. If you're a teacher and you're looking to travel with your choir, band, orchestra, STEM group, senior class, or any other kind of student group, go to www.mykatrip.com or give Kaleidoscope Adventures a call at 800-774-7337 to start planning your next student group trip. You and I have taken some really cool trips. You love telling stories. Oh, yeah, just do it all over again for all of our other trips. Yeah, would you be down for it? Yeah, man, no problem. Let's do it. You're listening to a Destination Rewind with Stevie G and Cameron. All right, we are back to do another Destination Rewind, and this time we are in the beautiful country of... Taking it back to my people there in Ireland. Ireland, like Cameron just said. That's right. Um, man, this was, you have some family history here, right? Your family lineage goes back to Ireland. Yeah, actually, we did a 23andMe report and found out that a lot of my family came from County Cork and County Mayo in Ireland. So it was cool to go back and visit my roots because most people don't have the opportunity to do so. I would say a lot of people have Ireland on their list of places to see because A, a lot of their family lineage could trace back to Ireland, right? Yeah. And B, 
it's a beautiful country. They have the Cliffs of Moher. They have Dublin, which is a renowned city in Europe. And so I think a lot of people have Ireland on their list of places to hit. Yeah, absolutely. Especially being in America that because um, of the potato famine in Ireland actually caused a lot of immigrants to come to the United States. And that's why a lot of us have Irish ancestry. So let's get into it. But before we do, I have a gift for you. So just hang tight for a second. Yeah, I want to give a, a big shout out to uh, the Crooked Can Brewery, which is my home brewery, not too far from the crib. And uh, I just handed Cameron a Story Horse Dry Irish Stout. So that'll, that's going to taste similar to some of the beers that you'll find in Ireland. Let's open it on tray. One, two, tray. All right, so now that we got some good Irish beer... Yep. From one of our favorite breweries. Mm. And this is a reminder, you know, a lot of breweries are small businesses and they're struggling at this time. This is a very difficult time. So support your, your small local businesses, support your breweries. Yeah, get on, support your local community. So let's go to Ireland. Day one. Let's flash back to January 2nd, 2020, just after the new year. Yeah, not too long ago. Really fresh. We arrived at the Dublin airport. And uh, what were your first impressions? Impression of the Dublin airport overall. It was uh, one of the larger airports. Um, Still relative in size to most of our American airports. But it was clean. Everybody was pretty nice. And there was something peculiar, though. As we were walking out, they had this wall with plants growing out of it. Like the, the pots were in the wall on the side, and everything was growing out horizontally. And that was kind of interesting, and I think it had something to do with them uh, purifying the air. They had a lot of fa- uh, ferns in there. Um, and they had something to do with purifying the air. So we got our car, and we made our way to the Ashling Hotel, which was the first hotel we stayed in on this trip. And something I noticed on the way, I don't know if you caught this, um, we passed a lot of Right away, we passed a lot of Circle K gas stations and Papa John's pizza place places. Yeah, I didn't. I remember actually pointing out that I hadn't seen a single gas station other than Circle K specifically, and I'm not too familiar with them down here. There's not too many. I mean, there's some, there's but a couple, yeah. And then, oh, I mean, I thought they had a monopoly on like Ireland's gas, mm-hmm. But they didn't. There was. There ended up being a couple more. Yeah, but they kind of do. They kind of do, real, realistically. And we looked it up. They're actually an American company. So we get to the Ashling Hotel. We just check our bags, get into our room. And I want to give a big shout out to the Ashling Hotel. We were greeted by a very nice staff. The hotel was in a great location. The rooms were high quality. What more could you ask for? Okay, on to our next stop. We went to the Guinness Storehouse. And, uh, man, what were your impressions when we got there? Well, I'll start out by saying um, I'm not really too big a fan of dark beer before this, especially not American dark beer. But going over there and drinking Guinness in Ireland, it was a different taste experience. And I had heard that they like to drink it warm. And I was expecting a lukewarm beer, and that's not at all the case. It's just not freezing ice cold. But it's still cold beer. Um, but it was delicious. The storehouse... Um, you walk in and it's an attraction itself. So you buy tickets. It's an open area, pretty normal. Then you walk in, the whole thing's shaped kind of like a giant barrel. And there's 
pictures hanging from the wall. There's this big glass architecture in the middle, kind of making like a spire. And then there were railings. They had a bunch of levels and you were kind of in the middle of uh, a cask. Yeah, exactly. And just so nobody out there gets confused, this wasn't actually the Guinness brewery. We, there was no like brewers on display brewing the beer or anything like that. This was simply a uh, collection of history um, and attractions and exhibits for guests to do that all revolved around Guinness. The Guinness Brewery in Ireland is actually at a location called St. James Gate that is indeed in Dublin. So this place was huge. It actually had seven stories. Um, and the first floor introduces you to the ingredients of Guinness, which is water, barley, hops, and yeast. So many times we just think of the finished product of beer, but we don't think about all you know the ingredients that really make the foundation of it. So that was kind of neat to learn about you know, how they make the beer out of those ingredients. Yeah, they had some virtual displays as well, videos showing you the, the farming process, bringing in, distributing it, sorting it out. And then you go up to the next steps and you see the water and they talk about that specific water that they pull in, where it comes from, what springs and what mountains. Um, really interesting stuff. And it has a really old history. I, I don't remember specifically when, but I knew they had talked about when they started doing this. And I was surprised that the age they could have done that. You mean making beer, like the process of making beer? Or yeah, well, Guinness mean? specifically, yeah. Guinness, yeah, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, it's kind of incredible to think, like, how did these people come up with this process to make beer? It was, it's actually really right. cool. Right, I mean, you're talking about back in the day, hey, let's grab some of that grassy stuff, throw it in water, wait a couple of days, and here we go. Like, that's mind-blowing. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, so uh, the, some of the other floors uh, have history on the Guinness family, Guinness marketing throughout the years, and just the history, you know, of the beer itself and the journey that the family went through. In uh, 1759, I want to point this out because this is really cool. Arthur Guinness signed a lease for the brewery. Do you remember for how long, Cameron? Like 30 years? No, 9,000 years. Wow, way off. Yeah. Yeah, and they actually, I don't know if you remember this or not, but when you walk in in the main complex, they have that contract on display. Oh, that's right, yeah. So Arthur Guinness was a visionary to, you know, take over this brewery and sign a lease back in 1759 um, for 9,000 years for only 45 pound, I believe, at the time was what they were using um, in Ireland as their money, as their currency. So, and that's still honored, I believe, till this day. So that's just, that man is a visionary uh, to, to own the brewery itself, which is not far. Yes, the lease for St. James Gate is still honored for just 45 pounds of rent a month. Some of the other things on display, uh, like I said, was Guinness marketing, which is, was a huge part of how they were able to achieve such high success and have such a you know, known name throughout the world. And you're a marketing guy. Yeah, they had great campaigns. They had somewhere I would stumble upon the exhibit and I didn't even realize that it was Guinness, but I was familiar with it. Like the big bird and um, the little fish things and the bikes. Yeah, they had a whole slew of animals that you would recognize as Guinness animals. And some of the most popular ones were the toucan, which I think was what you were yeah, referring yeah. to. They have the ostrich, they have the crocodiles, they had the fish, they had a bunch of other things and they were all... You know, they had their own unique look to them that you would link them with Guinness. It was pretty cool. Um, another thing that's very, when you see this, you'll know it's Guinness, is Arthur Guinness's signature. Who, by the way, I'm going to point this out too, 
we saw a portrait of Arthur Guinness, and he looks a lot like George Washington. Oh, yeah. I feel like we saw a bunch of pictures of people that looked like American presidents. Yeah, I think around that, well, it's, 1759. It's they probably were, the hairstyle and yeah. the attire of the wealthy and whatnot, yeah. And then, of course, the last thing I wanted to touch with the marketing is the can't-miss logo that they have, which is the Guinness harp. Harp, yeah. When you see that, you bam, you instantly know it's a Guinness. So there's a couple exhibits that touch on their marketing and, you know, how it made them so successful. Um, jumping to the second floor, uh, we got to do a tasting experience. Do you remember that? Yeah, we did the where we went in the back room and watched them pour it and we got a little swig. Yeah, we got a little swig of a little like shot glass style thing. And they really taught us how Guinness taste testers properly taste test. <laughs> yeah, the nothing. You got to swirl and sniff. Yeah. It was like, you know, I would just usually take it and just down it real mm-hmm. quick. Like a little then, beer shot. Like Yeah, you got to drink it kind of slow, too, and let the flavor kind of stir in your mouth. Yeah. Another cool thing we got to do was on the fourth floor. We took part in the Guinness Academy where we learned how to pour a pint of Guinness properly. That was really, really cool. I like that. Because I had no idea there was a methodology to it. Well, Guinness specifically, because I've always been taught, you know, tip the glass so it doesn't foam up. But Guinness, it wants that foam. That's that's part of the flavor. And also, too, they spit it out with nitrogen instead of, uh, what, carbon dioxide, I believe. That's how you get that smooth, bubbly taste, too, with the nice foam layer on the top. Mm, yeah, so you kind of pour it just straight on and let the foam come up to the top. And then the big part about Guinness, which we saw at every pub we had it at, was you have to set it down and let it settle before you top it off again. Right. And you do, if I remember this right, Cameron, the first step is you do tip it a little bit and you let it hit that Guinness right. logo on the glass. Yeah. So that was that was neat. And so we got to pour our own Guinness and then drink it as well. So that was fantastic. It was delicious. Uh, then we went up to the fifth floor where we ended up grabbing some lunch at the Brewer's Dining Hall where they have things like beef stew, sandwiches, and other you know notable Irish foods and Guinness, of course. And I thought it was a reasonable price, reasonable price, uh, solid food. Yeah, no, I mean, no complaints at all. It was delicious. Uh, they had a couple other eatery options there. So I feel like it'd be a very good midday stop for anybody. Wake up, kind of walk around Dublin, head to the storehouse, and then check it all in, get some lunch. And then, of course, some Guinness. Yeah. And then uh, the last floor that I want to touch on, really, is the seventh floor. This was the gravity bar, and this, all the Guinness employees were talking to us about it. Like, go to the gravity bar, it's sick, and they weren't lying. Um, The seventh floor, it's a 360-degree view of Dublin, Um, and you got to see everything. The the entire city, which is kind of flat, not too many big Mm -hmm. buildings, but very pretty views. Um, It was pretty packed up there, as most people were trying to get good views um, but they were absolutely stunning. Yeah, you, and you get a free beer included with your ticket, so even more incentive to go up there. And they pour it right there for you. You drink it while you're looking out. Um, a lot of people up there, but it was it was quite a sight. Anything else you got from uh, Guinness? Overall, great experience. Really enjoyed the beer, and coming into it, I didn't really care for Guinness. Yeah, and then you kind of probably got a little bit of appreciation for it. Oh, yeah, I love it. We had a good time at Guinness, and then we got in a cab and went to a place that you were itching to go. Oh, absolutely. Phoenix Park. Which is the largest public park in Europe. Not only is it the largest park in Europe, but it's also noted as one of the most beautiful parks as well. 
you'll find people getting fresh air, whether it be at the soccer fields, the gardens, or the can't-miss papal cross that Cameron will now explain. Which is this massive cross uh, sort of in the center of the park. And while we're walking up to it, um, admiring it, there were some Irish folk there. And we just kind of asked them about the area, and they told us about a, a herd of deer out there in the woods, and we thought they were pulling our leg, but come to find out after asking four more people, there actually is a herd of wild reindeer. Yeah. They just roam around the park with kids playing and everything, no problem. And I really wanted to see them. I thought that would be one of the, the cool things to see on this trip, but unfortunately they were probably in the woods somewhere to where we couldn't see them. It was st- sort of getting late. The sun was going down, so we didn't get to see the reindeer, but... It was a pleasant evening, and we got to see some more notable places in the park. And then the other interesting thing we saw, it also has a a pretty nice zoo and some gardens and just a lot of open area. I mean, you saw tons of people out there running with their dogs, playing soccer, or I should say football. No, they call it soccer. That's another thing I learned in Ireland. I grew up playing soccer, and I thought all Europeans called it football or foosball or some variation of those words, but no. In Ireland, they actually do call it soccer. And then we saw the president of Ireland's house, similar to the White House, is actually in the middle of the park. And relatively minimal security, I would say, compared to our White House. Yeah, I'm sure there's layers that we definitely don't see. But that was neat. And then we got uh, started to walk back, and it was getting kind of chilly, but really nice, pleasant walk. Yep. So we went back to the Ashling Hotel, and that was it. We hit the hay and called it. Yeah, good day. Day two. All right. On to day number two. So we woke up and we ate a full Irish breakfast. Oh, yes. Oh, they know how to eat in Ireland. Yeah, you were happy about that. Yeah, so a full Irish breakfast. None of this nonsense, uh, you know, microwave eggs and a couple of crummy strips of bacon. They got delicious full strips of bacon, sausage. You got black and white pudding, which... Isn't it, you know, pudding at all? I was expecting chocolate and vanilla. No, they're like little meat cakes. Delicious. And then they also had, which I thought was interesting, was kind of like a stewed tomatoes and mushrooms. Those were at every full Irish breakfast. So that's part of it, uh, part of a full Irish breakfast. And then lots of potatoes too. That's right. (laughs) So we got into our car and we went off to a place called the Rock of Cashel. Now, the Rock of Cashel is one of Ireland's most spectacular sites, and it was the seat of power for many ancient Irish dynasties. Um, We actually ended up doing a guided tour there, and it's really like an old chapel and cathedral in County Tipperary. And I say that because they reverse, like here we would say, you know, Tipperary County. Oh, yeah. Picture Ireland as a state. And they have a bunch of different, they have a few different counties, but they're flipped. So like they would call it County Cork instead of Cork County or County Tipperary instead of Tipperary County. Just a fun little tidbit for you guys to know. Um, So we were in County Tipperary and it was old. And I, when I say old, I mean the construction started for this in the 1100s. Uh, We ended up doing a guided tour, like I said, and we learned that Queen Elizabeth actually visited here in 2009. Do you remember some of the things on the tour? Um, not so much the tour. I kinda, it was cold. Yeah. The wind, oh, the it windy. Wind. Oh, yeah. They were gusting. The cool part I thought about it, it also had a, uh, a a cemetery surrounding it, 
and there was a lot of uh, names and, and history there and whatnot. And he found out the a lot of the history between the Protestants and the Catholics there in Ireland, and they had some disputes. But a cool part I thought about was the military aspect of it, because obviously these big churches and cathedrals were a, a safe haven and a defensible position for a lot of uh, the for a lot of people back in the day. So I looked at it. It's on top of a, a little hill, and everything else around it is just flat land, which is perfect for a defensible position because you can see people coming. So I thought of it in that mindset, and that was pretty pretty interesting. Yeah, definitely. So after the Rock of Cashel, we made our way to a small fishing town called Kinsale. And we got there. It was absolutely beautiful. You ha- they had like sailboats in their little harbor there, and it was a cute little downtown area. We checked into our hotel, which was Acton's Hotel. And this is in Kinsale in County Cork. And we went from the hotel to Jim Edwards Pub and Restaurant, which was about a 10-minute walk. And on the way, we passed a lot of nice little shops. It's just a really quaint town, really pretty. We got there, and we ate, and oh, man, that food was really, really good. Do you remember what you got? Yeah, I got the salmon, and for an appetizer, I think it was like anchovies and a chive cake, and it was delicious. I wanted to pick something that they were known for in that area, and being that it was a fishing village right there on the coast, I had to try the seafood. It was delicious. They did a really, really, really good job. Yeah, and I would call it like modern Irish cooking with a twist of seafood as their like specialty, and we each got three-course meals. And I know I got the seafood chowder as my first course and a pan-roasted chicken as my second course. Um, I don't remember what I got for the dessert, but I do remember that it was scrumptious. Yeah, it was delicious. After dinner at Jim Edwards Pub and Restaurant, I really liked this part. We kind of, you know, just went and did our own thing and checked out the city. We just kind of walked around. Um, stumbled into a couple pubs, which was our first pub experience in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And that's really cool because, you know, when people talk about Ireland or, you know, a lot of places in the UK as well, um, they mention the pubs. Like, you got to go check out the pubs. They're really cool. They're different. And uh, I had a great time at the pubs in Kinsale. And one of the pubs we went to had a live band in it. That was really good. And what I noticed, I don't know if you noticed this too, the age group it was like more people were more mixed in like it was a big family it wasn't like you know you have it was a younger crowd or anything like everyone went to the pub yeah you had a group of people and they're like 40s like eight of them then you had a family like a son his girlfriend and their parents and then you just had a mix of people there were guys in their 70s heading out whenever we walked in and that was really neat to see and on top of that like performers in bars here typically it's it doesn't get crazy especially at a a pretty nice establishment but these people were jumping up and down screaming yelling singing the songs and just having a blast and everybody there that was one of the things i loved about ireland is everybody was so friendly yeah like you could ask for help they didn't mind it wasn't a big deal that you're american like everybody was super super nice and that was really cool even the bouncers were super hospitable Mm mm-hmm yep the one thing that was a little off for us, I think, was they closed pretty early. I think the bars, all the bars shut down at 11. Yeah, I think it was like 11 because we were asking where the next place was that they were open. And they said none. Oh, uh, They were like, you're not in Dublin, so yeah, there's, really n- weird. there's nothing open here. <laughs> but um, this place overall, I think, was 
probably my favorite spot of the whole trip because it's out of the way. It's not really a big tourist attraction. It was really um, local. Yeah. And it sits there right on the water. So you have these gorgeous, gorgeous views, stunning looking over this bay that's kind of on the side. It's like a bunch of hills. It's not a flat coastline by any means. And you just watch the water come in. There's tons of sailboats in there. You see the sunrise. It's absolutely stunning and just super peaceful and safe. Well, we walked around at night at like midnight and I didn't feel threatened by anything at all. It was super quiet. Yeah. And that's the thing we'll kind of talk about too. I think as we go on through Ireland, everywhere we, I did not feel like if we were going to walk around downtown Orlando at two in the morning, you know, we'd, we'd like, you know, be ready. Right. Not be ready, but we'd always have like our third eye open, but here you just felt completely safe. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was nice. It was nice to feel that comfort in that, you know, you're not going to get stabbed. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's always good in a location you're visiting. We even went to, they talked about an area that they said was a little rougher in Dublin on our way to the, the Guinness storehouse. They said we took a, a cab instead of walking. Yeah. But as we drove through, I mean, I didn't see anything that even resembled what would be a scary place down here for me. Right. I would have walked it for sure. So we had a great time out at those couple pubs. And we went back to Acton's hotel where we got a solid night's sleep. And that was it for day number two. Tune in next week for Ireland Part 2, where we talk about some of the cathedrals we visited, my new favorite whiskey, and much more. Thank you for listening every Friday when we drop new episodes. And if you haven't yet, go check out the brand new Destinations Beyond Expectations website, at www.dbetravel.com where you can see a podcast library, travel blogs, and more. If you like the podcast, I would love if you could tell your friends, write us a review, and like the Destinations Beyond Expectations Facebook page if you haven't gotten to that yet. All right, that's all I got, and I will talk to you soon.